Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome, everyone, to the Go Long Podcast. I'm Tyler Dunn here with Jim Monas on a Friday night. Where else would you rather be, as a former head coach used to say, Jim, than right here, right now, <laughs> remote, on Zoom, podcasting, with a beer in our hands and love in our hearts. How are you, my friend? Good to see you. Good to see you. Um, I would probably wouldn't mind being at the U.S. Open right now. Yeah, you're all about this U.S. Open. Oh, that's just that's too good to watch. Like I love watching tennis anyway. I can't but get into it. Not a big tennis. Never. Player. I because I think the the mental toughness of what they go through in tennis because they're their own. You know, the only time Serena loses is when she isn't. Yeah. She's fighting herself. So anyway, um, sorry. I think the only time I really ever would play tennis was, uh, you know, family vacations, me and my brother, you know, if it was like at the place where. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I did, I would just, every single time without fail, I would lose my mind and the racket would go flying. And then that was it. Part of My brother is so patient. Like he can just, he'll just, you know, lob me to death. He'll just wait for me to screw up. And I'm so impatient. It's like, so reflective of our personalities. Austin's very. It's really patient. funny that you just Calm, described that. Not there. I swear there was just a, a point we just. Uh, I, I'm watching it with my parents, and and we were laughing because Serena's opponent was just just steady, just going to keep hitting back, returning everything, and Serena finally just went for it, went out, hit out, just like you just said. At some point, I just you know. I I love. I did like. I, I shouldn't say I love playing tennis. I always enjoyed playing tennis. Um, we had some good battles. Mark Ross, NFL Network, oh, our yeah? friend. Okay. When we used to work in Philly, we played some tennis. So it was good. Well, you know, we should just turn this into a, pen- a tennis podcast. So anyway, you had said, where would you rather be? New York yeah. City, U.S. Open wouldn't be bad. Not, not too shabby. Not too but shabby. I said wouldn't be bad. I didn't say I definitely would rather be there. Because you have some stuff to talk about. There's you know, it isn't even the regular season yet, and you have – you're coming out of the gate strong. <laughs> you are coming out of the gate strong this year. 
the club, That's I call the it the slam. clubhouse turn. You're in first place after on the clubhouse turn of the race. I mean, you're just throwing stories out. So we got to get the season yet. People are uh, investing their time, investing their their hard earned money, and to go along, we have to we have to deliver. It's it's the best feeling, man. It's an adrenaline rush to know like that people are putting their faith, their trust into what's building over there at the newsletter and here on the podcast, obviously. But I'm excited to try to uh, make it worth everybody's time. I mean, time's so valuable. Think about how no busy doubt. we all are in the world. No every second's accounted for. Everybody's so busy running around with kids, running around with their jobs, just looking at screens that if you really want to carve out 15 minutes to read something that I wrote, I do not take that lightly. And you're right. We have all the plans up. Uh, GoLongTD.com. It's all live. There's a lot going on in that post. I believe the headline is allow us to reintroduce ourselves. And in there, you'll see all the plans. So Bob McGinn, he's back. I know it. Tweaking the role a little, you know, he's covered the Packers 43 years. So he's not going to be grinding that Packers film, but he's going to be ramping up the McGinn file features. He's going to be popping on this podcast. So if you do need that Bob fix and hear that, that lovely voice of Mr. Bob McGinn, he's going to join us from time to time. And then the draft series is still kicking. So he'll have the draft series. Which I was, is, that's what I was going to ask. Is he still going to do the draft? Oh, he can't give that up. He, he can't stop. He, I told him, Bob, whatever you want at this point in your life, um, it's your call. And he loves that draft series. There's, there's nothing like it out there. So that's back. And the Isaiah McKenzie show is Man, congrats. back. congrats. I saw that. That's good. Very excited for that. You know, really those, uh, Go beyond the press conference and beyond the locker room. Try to get uh, some Buffalo Bills access. Especially with his – That's real. You know, that was, he's a fascinating guy for this Bills team this year. Like, he's, he seems to be a – they have things in store for him. It's pretty crazy. I mean, last year was fun, don't get me wrong, the first season. And so we had the – half of the live show – or half of the shows were live at Misters. Half we did on Zoom. Um, this time, all eight episodes will be live at Misters Barn Lanes, East Aurora, New York. The date's all online. But <coughs> – excuse me. It was interesting, Jim, because it was, I mean, he was a gimmick player. I mean, we would, we would joke about it. He's like, yeah, like they, they pay me to run around and, you know, get people's water and you know, run jet sweeps just for the hell of it. He goes, like, yeah. like he, you can tell it bothered him. There was one game I'm like, hey, I say, I really thought you were going to get involved this game. And he just kind of laughed and said, you thought wrong. And then he gets benched. He gets benched. After they get blown out by Indianapolis, he thinks his Bills career is, is over. He was depressed for a few days. Couldn't sleep. Thought he was done. Then, lo and behold, all these other receivers get COVID. They've got no choice but to play him with the season and the division on the line, basically, in Foxborough. Hmm. And he blows up. You know, I think he caught, what, eight balls for 100-some yards, touchdown. Um, and what we forget is he is Josh Allen's longest tenured receiver. So he, he's been there <laughs> great stat. in the That's middle of the 2017 stat. season. You know, the Denver Broncos cut him, and his career's at this crossroads then because he's fumbling That's, all the time. No, I know. And he's been a fixture. I mean, he's, he's caught probably more passes from Josh Allen, practice, whatever, than anybody. So they, they've got – you can tell watching training camp practices that there, there's something between those. That's things. what I'm saying. You can, I feel that too. Just I've watched enough of them, you know, and read – they – they they need to use him. I mean, that's 
he is a nightmare on the field. Like those are the, he's the type of guy that the coordinator is just, when he's on the field, it's scary because they're already scared enough with everything else you got to deal with. And now you give a straight guy that when he gets the ball, he can score from anywhere. That's fear, instant fear for a coordinator. You know, I think man-to-man coverage, he probably was always going to be a nightmare for teams. But playing that slot role, you got to be able to read zone. And Cole Beasley was so good at that. And I think he really taught Isaiah a lot. You have to be able to read zone, and you have to be able to catch with your hands quick. Like, that, you got to be able to snatch it and get it in quick. Yeah. Because you're usually, you know, to get – because run after the catch is huge, and guys are coming. So I've always, I agree with what you were saying. You know, the in and out, the zone, find it, reading the zone, and then those fast hands. And you have to have, you know, strong, reliable hands in the slot because that thing's coming. I mean, there's going to be real football stuff to to dig into every week with Isaiah McKenzie. We'll be able to break down the game. So he's as honest as they come. That's why we wanted to do it, you know, to try to give readers, listeners, fans a perspective that, you can't get anywhere else because he's he is so honest and he is given so much of his time and he wants to take people along for the ups and the downs and the wild yeah. ride. And I mean, shit, Jim, last year, I mean, there's that Patriots game. So he, you know, that that's the highest of high. Right. And then yeah. when it came to that 13 seconds loss at Arrowhead, we had a show what a couple of days after at misters and you could just, I think he kind of reflected how the whole team felt. It was just lost confusion what the hell just happened um but yeah i mean he's gonna play i mean he might catch 100 balls this year so all episodes go along td.com they'll be all on the website video audio and then we'll also be sure to get all the episodes right here on your go long podcast feed so you'll be can't miss it We'll, we'll, we'll throw it up everywhere and then that's just, I mean, we could, we could spend a whole hour talking about the plans, but we got to get on you too, Jim. Jim, explain your role this year, oh. but people can expect out of uh, maybe one of, if not the smartest man I know when it comes to you, sport of professional football. So you, you're saying you have a small circle of, that was very nice of you. Thank you. Um, I mean, no, that was really nice. I, I'll tell everybody who will listen, you know, it's no, you do. You do. Our listeners know, I mean, the stories that you share, the insight, the perspective yeah. it's, it, it is, you don't get that kind of honesty out of people who have been in the game, even former scouts and coaches and GMs. I feel like a lot of times they hedge what they're saying publicly because they don't want to piss anybody off. They just don't want to say You're beyond that point. You don't care. No, and I think it's been known. It's why we, you know, have so many fun conversations. And, and I just want to continue to be, you know, have that open part. But then a, let's do a little more film study this year. You know, some rookies, just, you know, guys that have big stat games. I like to always say study the stats. You know, let's – if a guy has three sacks, let's break those three sacks down. Were they really his sacks? Were they scheme sacks? Were they bad offensive blocking? So that's the kind of thing I want to get into this year, so – I'm, I'm looking forward to this and Bob being back. This is going to be a good, and we have some good guests lined up. You and I have been talking, so. I know I'd love to tease these guests, but we got to keep them in us. The we got to keep that quiet, right? Because you never know until it's good, until it happens. But Right. And, and I threw it out there in that post, but we do have a new host. You, I guess you could say. Um, I was going to let you talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. So we're still kind of figuring out the details, but we can confidently say 
Fatty Beer Company. They're all over the place now, Jim. Our good friend Nick Fatty has built an empire when it comes to beer. Uh, Blew up. The best beer distributor in Western New York, but it's it's even beyond there. I mean, he's got a place down in my hometown, Ellicottville, New York. He just opened up a place in Columbus, Ohio. So I don't know. Maybe we have to hit the road, do some Bengals stuff, and stop at Columbus on the way. But, yeah, we're going to be at the Orchard Park Fatty's Establishment. Um, we're we're going to shoot for each week, depending on our schedule. So obviously I'll be yeah. traveling uh, for stories and games and such. And we both have kids and, you know, we we can't just like lock in a date with all the moving parts, but uh, I should backtrack each Sunday night. We're going to record two podcasts, an NFL pod, and then a Buffalo Bills centric pod. That's a little shorter, but really zeroed in on what Jim knows best. What we like to you know talk about the most here on the podcast. So you have, you have that option kind of broken out. Um, and then in that, in my Monday morning, uh, morning after column, I'll be sure to point out when we'll be at Fatty's. So we'll try to we'll physically go to that Orchard Park spot for a third pod, you know, Wednesday sometime, Thursday. It'll, it'll be hitting the shelves, as they say, by Friday at some point. So we'll, we'll let everybody know. Just sub- subscribe to GoAlongTD.com. Um, keep an eye out for the date, the time, and have a beer with us. Hang out with us. We, we want it to be as interactive, as real as we possibly can if you're in, an, in or around Western New York. Yeah, I'm looking forward to what you. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to what you recommend it at Fatty. You know, I, I lean on you for the beer knowledge, and, and so that's where it gets tricky. So Nick is a uh, he's a connoisseur, and we'll get him on the pod. But he he does his research. I mean, he researches around the country for like the best IPAs, the best sours, the best wheats, the best lagers. He's, yeah, and he and he he researches and he does his homework, and then he brings it in. So it's beer from all over the country. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, 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 it you gotta do your homework, I guess we gotta do, we gotta be versatile. You gotta be quick on your feet. What are you feeling that night? You feel Yeah. Do you feel like you have good knowledge with this? Or are you going to learn a little too? Well, we're going to, we might have to work in a little beer segment and see what the listeners think too. So, I mean, it's, I'm sure That'd a lot fun. of listeners here have been over to the fatties. There's a great one downtown. It's one in Kenmore. Hamburg is the, the flagship. So, uh, can't wait for that. And yeah, we just started the kickoff series of features. Thought that could be a good topic for today's yeah. pod. Huge. Little Minnesota Vikings, eh? What do you think? I, they're always one of my favorite teams to talk about because of that quarterback. And, you know, I've talked about my gambling history with Kirk. And I, I, I swear to you, he's a good quarterback. I really believe he's a good quarterback. I, he drives me into crazy. I don't think he's a special quarterback. So I think you do have to have a good staff coaching game plan, all that right roster. You know, he's not special talent wise, but I do think he's a good quarterback. Um, I think their team has ability. That's why I wanted to ask what you think. I, I believe in their team a little bit. Um, cause what's crazy to me is that Mike Zimmer is known for being a defensive coach and, and their defense has been a problem. 
you know, and that's to me, that's, that's where I thought that, you know, you know, obviously you dug into the story a little bit more. I don't, but that from outsider looking in, I always felt confused by that. Like why is Minnesota, why is their defense so bad? So, so there's two ways to look at that. Let's, let's start there. I mean, if you look at Mike Zimmer, his defense, when it was at its best, it was soon after he took over, right? You had hungry young players ascending, buying into his message. And especially he's smart on the back end because it's pretty complicated with the stuff he's trying to run. But it was it was it was humming along. I mean, they they were they were a hungry team, they were gritty, they were underdog, they had Teddy yeah. Bridgewater's quarterback, you know, that that scene season especially, it was quintessential zim right it was a grit and grime kind of team and right what if you're looking at this through that that zim lens of okay he he was right everybody else was wrong things turned south when they gave Kirk cousins the three-year 84 million dollar contract guaranteed so his argument would be what the hell i don't need that at quarterback give me something cheap. Give me Case Keenum. Give me Teddy Bridgewater. Give me whatever. And let me use that money to get my pieces right. on defense. That, that would be his argument. Now, yeah, yeah I don't fair. necessarily agree with it, but that, it's fair. Fair. If that's what he believes in. Because what does it always come back to on this pod? The quarterback, you you're need, not winning with those. That's what I was going to say. If that's what you believe, but that's not, you're not winning. So, with those right. And, and if you are this defensive, you know, genius, you, it's incumbent upon you to draft players, develop those players, and get them ready to go. I mean, they did it before, so they had to do it the second wave, and I think that's when things started to, to go south is he is unbelievably demanding, um, as one of his former coordinators eloquently described him as the devil, Satan. Um, you know, here are the <laughs> nicest things about Mike Zimmer from several former coworkers. But he was demanding. I mean, and, and Terrence Newman, I mean, he spoke on the record at length about this um, in our two-part series, if, if, if people haven't checked it out yet, where, I mean, Mike Zimmer got pissed off to the up- upteenth degree when people started calling for his job. You know, he's reading the headlines. He's obsessed with perception. He's, he's He can't stand that people think that he should be fired. And it was kind of weird. I mean, I think a lot of coaches were looking at him like, dude, you're, I mean, if you get fired, you can still make a heck of a lot of money. I mean, they, that they owe to you. You just kind of get to fade off for however many years, chill, go to your ranch, you know, hang with your girlfriend, live a good life. But if you, if you cut a player, you're sending his ass to the street. I mean, who knows what happens to that player that's buried on the depth chart. So it, it was really weird. I think for a Terrence Newman who played for 15 years to see Mike Zimmer react this way to those headlines, like what, what the hell? Right. And that really res I mean, it reverberated throughout the whole facility. I mean, he was mm-hmm. miserable, just ornery, just pissed off all the time. And he let it out on everybody. I mean, I heard this time and time again, that his misery kind of became everybody else's misery mm-hmm. in meetings in practice. I mean, in practice, he's beating these guys to a pulp. I mean, it's no surprise that, they get to the NFC championship game and then just collapse against Nick Foles and the Eagles. It was, I mean, physically they're worn down, but mentally they're worn down. They just weren't happy to wake up in the morning. I mean, listen to what Adam Thielen and Brian O'Neill and Daniel Hunter, some of these guys say it's 
we are happy to go to work. Like we wake up yeah. thrilled to be a Minnesota Viking. And it, it wasn't the case. I think mentally he wore them down. Mm. And then if you're a young defensive back and, and you're getting your ass reamed out, you know, in the meetings, I get it. It's a big boy league. You know, you, you should be able to take it. But when it's every day, when it's relentless, when it just grinds you day in, day out, and you're 22, 23 years old, you're going to start playing hesitant. You're going to start playing scared. You're not going to be just operating off instinct. I mean, Ben Lieber, he played for Wade Phillips. We talked with this for part two. He's like, you know, Wade Phillips, it was see ball, get ball, just go. Like he said, look, all mistakes are on me. That was his line. Just play. And we'll figure it out after. Guys in Minnesota weren't playing that freely. It was, what, all right, what step do I take as a safety? If if the tight end moves this direction, do I step here? Do I step there? And Shit, that's how you lose games. That's how they lost so many close games. Eight of their nine losses were by a touchdown or less. Kirk Cousins played well at the end of games. I'm telling you, I, and, he's not He's not the major he's problem. He's not that bad. He was good no. last year. I, I, and listen, I, I, I've, I, I've been one of his biggest critics, at least, on this I, pod. And to Tyler, he played really well. Doing this quarterback study I've done every year for the last three years, it, it opened my eyes to him more as a he's a good like I said he's a good quarterback like yes he's not perfect but there aren't many that are and it's like he gets a hard I feel like he just got to, gets a hard uh, takes a lot of criticism and and that's fine at the quarterback position but you need to give him some credit too I mean he has done some pretty good things so you were around Andy Reid. You yeah. were around Sean Payton, obviously. You were around Doug Marone, Rex yeah. Ryan. I mean, what? I mean, you're, we're talking about personalities all over the place, coaching styles all over the place. Uh, when you hear this stuff about Zimmer, is it abnormal to you, or are there a lot of Zimmers out there? And how has the game kind of changed, even in your two decades in it? It, I feel it like in the nineties, this was, this was the norm, right? In the nineties, most coaches are probably like that. I felt like Andy Reid and Sean Payton had similar ability to know that you're they're You're not, they're not your best friend, but they're not always, you know, they're not going to hammer you all the time either. They, they were approachable to the players. They, they cared about the players, which we've talked about before. The players knew they were going to get them in the best position to be great. Did they rip players before? Like when I say rip, like did, were they hard on guys in practice? Yes. Demanding? Yes. They're, they're demanding what they are telling you what it takes to win a Super Bowl. They're not trying to be tough guys. They're trying to say, no, we got to work this hard to get to where we want to go. Just, you know, trust in me. I'm, you know, you guys work hard. We're going to get you in the best spot, like you said about Wade. That really is the fine line on how to be a, a head coach in the NFL because you don't want to be a pushover. You don't want to just be somebody that guys are walking all over. No, Kevin O'Connell, we, we sat down and talked for about a half hour or so, and he made a point to, to say that. Like, guys know I'm in charge. And, you know, Ben Lieber even said that there's an edge to this guy. He's been around him. He's a sideline reporter now. He thinks that we're all going to see it on game day. Like, this, this is a coach who's got a little gnarliness to him that – you're not going to pick up at a press conference in a one-on-one right. interview, you know, even day to day. So that, I think that is important to, to, to have that relatability to be player driven, player friendly, all of that, but still be the guy in charge. Right. And it's, it's, it's not it. easy. 
Not so many easy. coaches kind of go one way or the other. Yep. I feel that way. Just some, my experiences and it's, it's, I don't know. It does help. You got to get them to buy into you somehow. Players have to buy into what you're selling. They really do. And however that is, I mean, however your method is, but they have to buy into you. And Rex Ryan is one of uh, Kevin O'Connell's mentors. One of his primary mentors. He played for the Jets. That's right. The two years they went to the AFC championship game. And, you know, he said a lot of the same things that Eric Wood told us when he came on the podcast, how a Rex Ryan speech can just like make you play above yourself. And you want to reach this different level that you didn't even know existed. You want to run through a wall, all of that stuff. It's, and I see it, you can feel it. Like he, I think the way O'Connell put it, it's almost like he can really put in your head there's no competitive disadvantage if you just show up and want to absolutely kick the snot out of your opponent, which it sounds corny. No, it sounds it's, there is it's something football. to that. If you can convince, yeah, if you can convince somebody, nothing else matters. F everything else. Like it's, you are going to dominate your man. Like there, but it, that he had schematically some of that zim in him, right? I mean, we've talked about it. Where Rex Ryan's defense, it was just it wasn't green light, see ball, get ball, go. There was too much thinking. Now he wasn't a ornery old, you know, Hmm. cuss about it. Hmm. He wasn't reaming guys out and, you know, guys weren't fearful and not wanting to go to work in the morning. They liked being around Rex. Players loved him, but that's where the, in the same kind of way that the scheme did kind of, you know, twist a few wires up in the brains of a lot of defensive players that didn't need twisting. So you can't. It's like, I think Kevin O'Connell, he took, he took bits and pieces of all these coaches. You know, he's with Bill Belichick. We've heard yeah, a lot no, of he's had about a Bill nice Belichick tree. And a lot yeah, of he really has had a good tree. Sean McVay? Um, I mean, it was fast rise for him. It's a pretty fast rise for him, right? Huge. I mean, it is for all of these coaches that have been around Sean McVay and for good reason. I think that. I, I'm not saying Sean he's not McVay ready. Is, I think I love it. You know, I'm all about. Yeah, to your point, it's McVay. These guys had to speak pretty highly of him, and and you know, to the owners and. Yeah, I mean, there. I think we. It's so easy to to look at the Rams and think, oh, they just signed all these great players. That's why they won the Super Bowl. But it's not. It's not that simple. No, you know, guys no. love playing no. for the Rams because Sean McVay has that energy about him that that youthful that youthfulness that. He just kind of he just gets it. He's not going to grind guys down. He's going to maximize every second that you are in the building for That's good. It. And when it comes to the offense, I mean, let's let's face it. Yeah, Zimmer's gone through coordinator after coordinator after coordinator. Some have gotten promotions, some he fired, but he's kind of been lording over the offense as this antiquated, you know, Grim Reaper like presence, saying run the ball, and you know, it's just quit throwing interceptions or no, take more chances. It's and funny. I think cousins has kind of reacted to that where now you know, you've got an offense where it's modern, it's cutting edge, co- you know, complex stuff that is actually simple and then simple stuff that is actually complicated. We talked about that with Kirk. I cousins. like that. And he's going to have the best chance to succeed cousins. That is when you've got maybe the best wide receiver in football, Justin Jefferson, a top three, top five running back in Delvin Cook. 
solid offensive line. Adam Thielen can still ball. KJ Osborne's a good player. Irv Smith has been hurt so much. He, he's got a potential. Ton. I, that, that, that's kind of why we went all out with the Vikings with this, with this series. I, I think that they are a sneaky, sneaky team. I I'm with you on them. I've like, I told you before, I've always had a love hate with them, but I agree. I think there's something to this team. I was kind of just looking up. I wasn't sure about their offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, they've made some, I'm looking right now that center they took in the first round is a good player. Yeah, you know it's funny though. It's like when they're Kevin O'Connell, Quasi uh, Adolfo Mensa, when they're really building this team. Yeah, they decided to extend Cousins a year, or at least I mean they can still get out of Kirk Cousins, the business of Kirk Cousins with the dead cat money isn't that bad. Like they could trade him next off season, but you know they could have dumped him this off season. So they are giving him this trial run. So. You are they are going for it. I mean, when you look at the the personnel, the core that they have, at the same time, okay, you're going for it. You, you know, you, you Cook, Jefferson, Thielen, Cousins, Harrison Smith, um, Daniel Hunter. They signed Zadarius Smith. You, you've got a core here, Eric Hendricks. At the same time, seven draft picks from 2021. Just last year, seven of those players were cut. So at the same time, you're like moving on from a lot of Rick Spielman's guys. Well, so usually it's that, one way or another. Like you're either, either kind of like. That's fascinating. All, yeah. all in or. It is a competitive rebuild as I think a lot of front well, offices like to say. When, when, you, when I hear that stat about that 21 draft, that screams of dysfunction. Yeah. That screams of head coach GM dysfunction. Where it's it, there was probably so many debates, or Zimmer was checked out, or who knows. But that yeah. screams dysfunction. That's funny, man. That's a. I'll just say this: you know, there was a lot of scathing um, commentary and analysis on Mike Zimmer in in the story. It's a lot that wasn't in the story. Yeah, you, say that. We, we talked a little bit off there about it. There was some pretty um, immoral might be a little strong, but yeah, I mean, it was, if it, it's just, it it's very in line with what people say about Mike Zimmer and, and very dangerous. Um, not how a coach should be running a team behind the scenes. And he probably was there two, three years longer than he, than he should have been. So there's a lot of meat on this bone. You know, when we kind of go out on a limb with, with stories like these, it's, it's coming from a substantive place. I'll just say that. And the Minnesota Vikings did the right thing they had to move on. And they had to take a hard, hard turn toward a coach that is harping on culture. I mean, it, it we've made fun of it. I've made fun of it. I didn't think it really meant anything for the longest no. time. No, it, it does. When you hear stories no like you hear in Minnesota with this guy and the way he treats people, it affects everybody. I mean, it really is a trickle down effect. It affects everybody and everything, every tentacle over the organization. Um, you've got to remove the disease. And 
I think that in a very short amount of time that Kevin O'Connell has managed to get people excited. And, and look, there's zero and zero. What happens if you're two and five, right? Like does, does the culture really, does it stay strong then? I mean, we'll see. They're going to face adversity. All teams do. I mean, they, I, I love their first the game. Didn't win in November last year. So no, no. We're, I mean, it'll, be, it'll be tested. It will be tested, but I think that they've taken all of the right steps. Oh yeah. I want this first game. I mean, they're at home against Green Bay. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, is there um, is there a Wait, team? I, mean, maybe... I was going to talk about culture real quick. I wanted to say something yeah. about that because you're right. It's not that we make fun of. I think we we like to joke around sometimes about some of the you know coach speak or whatever we hear, but culture is is almost you have to have. It's almost a foundation. The quarterback's going to get you the ring. Right. Quarterback will get you like you can have a great culture and not make the playoffs. Right. I mean, you know, there's teams that have great cultures in there, but and they still didn't make the playoff because for whatever reason, they probably don't have the quarterback. But culture doesn't guarantee you a Super Bowl. So I think sometimes I, I get worried when I hear coaches say, you know, we're going to change. We got to change the culture. And it, yes, get it. But let's understand that yes, that's that's a given. Change the culture is fine, but make sure you get that quarterback if you want to win that Super Bowl. And what culture are you implementing? You know, I mean, just because you're talking about culture, yeah. I mean, even O'Connell said, like, I don't really like this term. It's thrown. Yeah, I don't either. I don't either. I, that's strange to me now. Is it's is the culture strange. one of everybody just being 100 percent obsessed with football and it's my way or the highway? Is that the, if that's is the, that culture, the culture? Screw that culture. But he really made a point to say it will be player-driven, player-oriented. Like, if you have an idea, bring it. It's all about everyone in the building. That's the best answer I've I've heard. Love it. That's what I was going to say. To me, it's about that. The players have to just want to be there. Like we were talking about, buying into you, wanting to be around it, believing it. And that's setting the culture. That's what a coach can do. That's a great answer by him. I like that. Because it is. It's, if you make it, you got to make it about the players and not about you. Yeah. Ego is the enemy. No question. Right? They don't want to, the players aren't into hearing, they don't, they're not into winning the press conference, as they say, and coaches that want to talk about. I don't think it's really, and, and speaking of ego is the enemy, Ryan Holiday, uh, incredible author i've actually talked to him over the years he said he'd come on the podcast sometime let's add him to the list here Can't yeah we're getting some good yeah this has been good productive yeah. uh dan soder the comedian he, he's oh yeah you were telling me about time. him yeah we gotta no. get him on It'll be good um so anyway yeah i mean i think it's no coincidence that kevin o'connell at these press conferences I mean, he doesn't tiptoe anywhere remotely close to criticizing anything or anyone like it's like he doesn't want negativity in the atmosphere right now yeah Um, and there's i mean hey being positive being optimistic that you know it it it, it sounds weird to say but that stuff matters when when you see how bad it really was so thanks everybody for reading check it out uh we have another viking story around the bend coming soon too so uh, hitting the Vikings hard right now because they are so interesting, right? I, usually you do see, t- if you're a new GM, Jim, and we've talked about this too, it's tempting to walk into a situation 
and and drop a bomb, right? Like, let's just atomic bomb this roster, start yeah. over. It buys no you doubt. time as a buys front office, time. right? Buys you time. And look at the draft next year. It looks like there'll be a decent number of quarterbacks you could choose from. You know, the fans in Minnesota, I think they're okay with sucking right now after being you know, just tortured for decades and in, in, in constantly just living in this sense of hope and God, you're right on the cusp and it's Gary Anderson, it's Blair Walsh, it's Brett Favre, it's a roof <laughs> caving in, it's the love boat scandal, it's the far of text messages, it's, it's everything. And then they've kind of been in this like 500 purgatory toward the back end of Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer's time together. Man, I mean, I, I think I give them so much credit, not to mention your GM is a former day trader, right? Who lives in the numbers and would have loved all those draft picks to just take a close look at your roster and decide yeah. that Kirk Cousins still has it. You know, he, you can win with this 34 year old quarterback. If we do this, if we do that, if we do this and compete, you know, in, in the past where I think I might've, I think I have criticized that kind of maneuver. It, it makes sense here, but all right, let me ask you then if you're, if you're that GM, if you're stepping into that situation, what do you feel that urge to want to start over? Is that real? No, I, you go into those interviews prepared, you know, how you're going to build the team. And you always, to me, I would always say you always need to have, Hey, this is how I would like to do it. When you're talking to the owner, you know, I also can do it. You know, if, if you're, if you're not happy with what I'm presenting and basically talking probably about the quarterback, I can, I can, I can make it work that way too, but I think I can win with Kirk cousins. So you go in and present like that. Here's what I can do with Kirk cousins. And that's where ownership matters. So much. huge because if the owner here, if the owner says, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. If you, or, but the owner might say, Hey, I don't want them. Okay. Well then I can make that work too. And here's the my owner plan. May have a sentimental connection to a quarterback or a running back or somebody on the yeah, team. Yeah. I just don't think if you're a GM and you should go into an interview and, and you, you can't for you don't want to go in there and tell the owner what to do. You say, this is what I'm going to do, but listen, I can do it if you if you want if there's something you want done, I can get that done too. I mean it's your team, I can get it done. I just don't think an owner wants somebody coming in telling him, Oh, we're doing this, I'm moving on from this guy, I'm moving on from this guy. Like, hold on. You know. You were in those conversations. Yeah, have a plan. Have a plan, but I drew that comparison and in this I think it might have been the part two story where like they're trying to kind of do what uh Sean, you and Doug did up until you guys were let go, where it's like, okay, like let, let's compete. Tyrod Taylor, still the quarterback. Shady. That's right. Let's build, let's yeah, go for it. Yeah. Still some players going this is for what it. We have. Let's go. And you know, they get Josh Allen the next year, you know, in, in large parts of the trade that you guys made on draft day with the Chiefs. The, the Vikings, I mean, they're they're sticking with cousins. They might be hoping, all right, all right which is gr- great. You know, you're trying to win now. You're trying to go for it. Let's see if if things don't work out, what that quarterback situation looks like. You know, if you're if you win nine, ten games, yeah. You know, they don't have. Oh. I don't think they have that extra first to maneuver their way back up if they want a quarterback like like no, the Bills no. to get Josh Allen. And that's that's the other thing we always talk about. Don't ever say just get rid of a guy because that next <laughs> the next question is well. What's our, who's next? Like, what's the plan if we don't have him at quarterback? 
And if you don't have a great answer for that, he's your best option. That's not a bad option. He's a winning quarterback in the NFL. That's a hard thing to do. That's a hard thing to be. And I'm not, hey, we had a chance to go after Kirk Cousins, and we didn't want to. And I was part of that. When was that? That was that. That was that offseason. 2017. Yep. We didn't, I, Doug and I weren't on board. How, Nobody was. Between, from then to now, what have you seen? No, I, I personally still wouldn't. You still <laughs> You just, you still I just think, think he's if, just better than. I'm just saying if you have him and don't have, you know, he's not, he's not terrible. I just think you got to be shooting. I was shooting for higher than Kirk Cousins. That's, that was my thinking. Because, you know, it, it is similar where we talked about it with a part of you guys had that urge. Hey, let's just throw Cardell Jones out for a year. Right. Attack quarterback next year. The Vikings could have done that with Kellen Mond, right? Like, Ooh, throw him out there, t- uh, pawn off assets, and get a quarterback. I told you, I was not a Mond fan. You were not. Chris Sims was. He was. Yes, he was high. Still not over for him because, boy, does that sound like a terrible – I mean – not a good situation. We talked about it with rookie quarterbacks. I mean, yeah, the situation means so much. If that how many wins coach, you give them the Vikings? Well, I don't know how many wins for the season, but you talked me into I'm going to be taking them now against Green Bay in this first game. So thanks. I saw that Green Bay is favorited. I was a little surprised. I mean, the Packers. I, you know, I might pencil men for the Super Bowl. I mean, everybody knows I, I love what they did uh, personnel-wise. But still, like, offensively, it's going to take a little bit to figure shit out, right? Like, how does the passing game sort itself out? Yeah, how does Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur, how, how do they play off of each other with play calling? You're on the road. It's going to be loud. New era for the Vikings. I, they like, couldn't really, have made – you're saying you're surprised Green Bay was favored? Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was actually surprised. Yeah, I guess they probably figured if they made Green Bay a dog, they're going to get – that's a lot. They'll probably get too much play on Green Bay as a dog against a new coach, you know, like a new yeah. kind of a a first-time head coach. That's true. Still a lot to so you make them a, Yeah, and I, I don't think – I think that spread's telling you that the Vikings can win that game for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's how I do my analysis. <laughs> I mean, I let the spread kind of at least tell me, like, okay, Vikings, this new coach, there's something to this team. And like you said, you look at the roster. You've got a nucleus. You don't it's have not terrible. Down. That roster I, is not terrible. A few injuries, though, and I, I think they're going to be in trouble. You know, you've got a couple trouble spots there. But, hey, we've seen teams stay really, really healthy, and they brought in – um, the performance expert out there with the Rams, Kevin O'Connell hired him in. This, you know, he's cutting edge sports science. Yeah. You know, everybody no, says they're I, that guy, but this guy's legit. Listen. So hey, maybe, maybe they can stay healthy because the trainer that was there for the longest time was not the best in terms of keeping guys healthy and worked in conjunctions. And that's all. That's all. I'm just saying, quarterbacks number one. And then being healthy is number two. I, I am all for putting whatever you want to put resource-wise into sports, science, training yeah. staff. 
you have to be healthy for the playoffs. Mm. I don't. That's what you're playing for. I can't stress that. Like, they're so. That's why, like, you know, the Bills putting Trey White on PUP. Heck yeah, make sure he's good. There's no rush. These first four games don't mean anything. They're not easy first four games for the. I didn't say they weren't. I didn't say that. I'm just saying I don't think they mean. I, I'm a believer and. The good team, they're going to be there at the end. They have a plan. They're they, they're going to be in the playoffs. You know, they I'm not saying they on last year seven and yeah. six, and they they figured out their new identity. They'll, they'll figure it out. That team is we. This is a good football team. They need to be do whatever's right to get healthy. And they got to get Trey White back healthy. They don't need to rush him back, basically. Yeah, I don't think it's time to freak out over Kyrie Elam. I think a lot of rookie corners are up and down <laughs> training camp, oh. but. But they're going to need him to you know, put it together by what November. You know they're going to they're going to be counting on him late in the season in the playoffs. To I don't even really think you need to shut team. You just need to get some stops, right? You need to string together two, three stops in a playoff game, and, and you can win that playoff game. We, we've seen it. So they, that's why you bring, that's why you bring in Von Miller. You hope you can force a turnover, and on the back end, you hope that. Uh, he helps you out there too. So, you know, we're always nitpicking with the bills in terms of like trying to find something wrong with this team. Cause they are so loaded. That would be one spot that it, it, I know, going into the season, I think the Rams are going to move the ball all over, all over the field. Right. Mm-hmm. Like so I would think no, so. No trade, but so are the bills. I mean, it, that game's going to be fun say, as hell. It's a, it could be a red zone type, you know, obviously turnovers are always number one, but like you said, I think these teams go up and down the field. Who can finish their drives in the end zone? The Bills are favored. Correct? Yeah. Yeah. Which is pretty wild, too. I mean, the defending Super Bowl champions at home. Yeah, there might home. be more Bills fans at the game. Oh, yeah. Anecdotally, I think we both know, like, a ton of people going, right? Like, it's yeah. it is pretty nuts. All right, Jim, what do you say? Wanna, that was good. Let's slice it right there. I can't wait to read about you on Pro Football Talk. <laughs> Every once in a while, you write a story and you don't know if it's going to take off or not. And sometimes it does. Hey, you know what? Terrence Newman was honest. He's an honest guy. He's an engaging guy. He was open. And we need more of that in the world in general. So kudos to him for speaking the truth. All right. Thanks Go so on. much for listening, everyone.